Hi, my name is Elise Plasconis, and I'm going to be reading the story of Samson for y'all this morning. So what pops into your mind when I say the word jock? Uh, Strength, athleticism, speed, popularity, vanity, likes to have a good time, not real smart. Uh, Okay, I know that these adjectives really play into the stereotype, but they really describe this one character from the Bible, this one person from the Bible named Samson from uh, 1100 B.C., He was the strongest man who ever lived. Now, Samson was born with a great purpose from God. At the time, Israel was a young, fledgling nation who had never yet had a king. Israel got into a centuries-long pattern of turning away from God and his ways and then immediately getting conquered by a neighboring nation. Then the Israelites would call out to God and ask him for help and, and turn back to him. And God, as faithful as he is, would, (laughs) sorry, I lost my place. Um, uh, Then the Israelites would call out to God, they would turn back, and God would appoint someone named a, a judge or a person who would lead the people both spiritually and militarily out of bondage. Samson was ordained by God to the Israelites against the Philistines, a neighboring people that Israel had long been at war with. So Samson was born with incredible strength. He had enormous moments in his life. Uh, He killed a lion with his bare hands. Uh, In one battle, he killed 1,000 Philistines with just the jawbone of a donkey. And another time, he ripped a city gate from the ground, weighing like 4 to 10 tons. And then he carried it uphill 36 miles. I mean, if he was alive today, can you imagine his Instagram? Okay, but joking aside, if he were alive today, he would be a rock star, an athlete, a celebrity. He would be one of the most famous people in the world. Now, there was one key to Samson's strength, his hair. Uh, He must never in his life cut his hair or else all of his strength would be taken from him. Now, there isn't anything particularly mystical or special about his hair. Because from birth, he was called to be something called a, a Nazarite. A Nazarite simply means to be set apart by God. Um, so he was one rule. The one rule that the Nazarites had committed to was to not ever cut their hair. So if he cut his hair, he would lose his strength. But there was one problem. Samson was always somewhat of a reluctant Nazarite, Nazarite and a reluctant judge. I, I'm sure he wanted to help the people of God, and he wanted to follow God completely But Samson, like many other athletes, rock stars, and celebrities, cared more about fulfilling his own desires. He was driven by anger, revenge, and he made a bunch of foolish decisions when it came to women. Samson's life story is told in just three chapters in the Bible, and in that small time, three different women come into his life, and each of them have consequences as a result of him being with them. Now, the third woman mentioned is a woman named Delilah, which actually means faithless one. And Samson falls completely in love with her. The lords of the Philistines knew this, and they offered her silver, like $90,000 in today's money, in order for her to find the strength of Samson's, find the source of Samson's strength and subdue him. So now this is where his total jock moment comes in. Three times they're together in the night, and Delilah begs Samson to tell him the source of his strength. And each time he makes up something silly. 
But on each of those nights, every single time, that very same thing would happen to him. So you'd think that he would have figured this out. But to make matters worse, Delilah didn't even deny what she was trying to do. She actually fusses at him for and mocks him for denying her this information. So it is really easy for us to like poke fun at Samson for this, but you have to see how much power his desires have over him and his pressure to and the pressure he feels to pleasing his desires. Delilah tries to get his secret a fourth time and Here is how the Bible describes the pressure she put on him. It says she prodded him, as in like a cattle prod, until he was tired to death. Tired to death. Now, that's pressure. Well, unfortunately, this time, Samson caves to the pressure. He doesn't lean into God when the pressure comes, and he doesn't seek God when he makes decisions in the first place. The Philistines come in and cut his hair, and his strength is taken from him. They gouge out his eyes and make him work as a slave. So a judge, a Nazarite, now working as a slave, grinding grain. He's chained to the enemies. Samson's story has a very famous ending, however, where the most important 3,000 Philistines have all called him to a party so that they can just mock him. God returns his strength for one very last time, and he knocks down the pillars from underneath this temple, crushing himself and all 3,000 Philistines and conquers over his enemies. But sadly, Samson was a God-called judge who could, who could subdue the Philistines, but he could not subdue his own desires. And instead of a man who relied on God in pressure-filled situations, he caved into pressures when it would meet his own appetites. morning. It always feels so epic. Like, don't say anything. Just stand there and then walk off. My name's Alex. I'm the pastor here at Ridgeview. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us. And we are in week three of this series called How to Make a Bad Decision. And uh, that's kind of a play on words because obviously none of us want to do that. However, uh, we all have patterns. We have tendencies that we kind of can make the same bad decisions over and over. And so what we want to do is we want to peel back, just like the story Elise just shared with you, the story of Samson, and we've been looking at biblical characters to highlight, here's some people who God had specific plans for, specific goals in mind for their life, and because of their bad decisions, because of their patterns, it derailed what God wanted to do in their life. The goal of this is for us, one, to say, you know, when we look at the Bible, there's a lot that we can relate to, and that's the key with Scripture. Uh, It was written... Thousands of years ago, but the principles, the people, the things that people face are actually the same things that we face today. And so while Samson's story is epic and it has some epic moments, some highs and lows, there's actually parts of that which we're going to pull out today that we can all relate to. And that's the key with scripture. You want to get into it for yourself and then ask the question what are some things that I can learn, things that people did well, things that people did poorly, so I can learn and grow and head the the way and the path that God has for me. And so that's this goal. Let's look at the the bad decisions so we can make good ones. And so today's topic, as you've probably picked up, is this this idea of of pressure. 
And what happens when you make decisions, when you give in to the wrong kind of pressure? And there's usually two types of pressure that we have. There's the pressure within us, the things that we want so badly that we're willing to do whatever we can to give us what we want. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Then we also, just like in the story of Samson and his relationship with Delilah, there's people in our life that put pressure on us. So this is pressure that comes outwardly, that pushes on us to get us to maybe do what God doesn't want us to do. And both of those pressures are real, the things within us, things that we feel, the things that we long for, the things that we hope to happen, and then the things that people begin to tell us, the plans that they have for our life, the direction that they want to set, and all this can build pressure as well. Now, I think all of us can relate to pressure. There's lots of things that we have going on in our life. How many of you would say, I have pressure in my job right now? Any of you? I want all of your jobs. <laughs> How many of you would say there's pressure in your, your family life right now? Right? There's, there's pressure in family. There's pressure in work. How many of you just, in your life, you just feel pressure? There's just a lot that you have going on in your plate, right? I think all of us, in different aspects of life, we, we have pressure that mounts on us. Uh, if you're raising young kids, uh, you feel the pressure of that. Any parents out there? Some of you who've raised your kids, you feel the pressure of like, oh, I hope they make it. Right, that's pressure as well. Uh, Jim Gaffigan, any Jim Gaffigan fans out there? <laughs> wow, you guys are asleep. Come on, guys. <laughs> Apparently not, but he had this quote, which I thought was great. You know what it's like having five kids? Imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> so if you're parents, that, you feel that pressure sometimes. It just feels like you're, you're drowning, and as you're drowning, someone hands you a kid that you need to take care of. That's what life uh, can feel like. Uh, because we all face uh, pressure, it comes in different places. It may be the, the crunch of, of trying to make progress and trying to get ahead in your life. You just feel the pressure of that. Like you don't want to be behind. You don't want to be behind maybe your, your own picture of your life. You don't want to be behind maybe the bar of other people that are in front of you. And you feel like you're chasing them and there's this, this pressure to, to perform, the pressure to keep up. Um, you may just have the pressure, like Jim Gaffigan said, just to keep your head above water. You're overwhelmed. And you just hope that you're not drowning uh, you may have the pressure demands of those around you. They keep asking you about things. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a family member. They just keep asking, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And you just feel it mounting upon you like this weight upon your neck. Uh, you also may be the type of person that has expectations on yourself. Do you have a lot of expectations for your life? You kind of beat yourself up because there's just a lot of things that you think you should be doing and you're not. And so sometimes you're your biggest critic. I can, I can relate to that. So all of these places, we, we have pressure. It's something we all relate to. Now, anytime there's something that we all can relate to, you can Google, and there's all sorts of great quotes that come with it. So I wanted to share some with you. Here's, a, here's the first one. Pressure can burst a pipe, but pressure also makes diamonds. Okay, you know, it's true. Pressure can burst a pipe. A lot of bad stuff can happen. But pressure also does make diamonds, so are we making diamonds out of our life today? I'm just kidding. I, you know, <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. That felt, like, that felt good. Um, here's, here's, here's the opposite of this. Pressure. It can turn a lump of coal into a flawless diamond or an average person into a perfect basket case. <laughs> that one's, I think, a little bit more realistic. Now, I want to give you a secret. If you're a perfect basket case, you're usually not the best at making a sound decision, right? 
basket case. That, that means you're just kind of running around trying to figure it out. You're just a mess. I actually have no idea where the origin of basket case comes from. So if you know, tell me after service, but it's not good. Uh, this is uh, that, that screen. Go back to that. This is, uh, if you've ever seen, these are called demotivators. There's a whole set of them. If you Google demotivators, if you're kind of cynical, you'll really enjoy it. Because it's basically like, forget all these like wishful thinking stuff. Here's how life really is. It stinks. That's the summary of, of those. And so all, all of this, uh, you know, mounts on us. Now, here's the thing. We can all relate to pressure, but there's also the byproduct of pressure of what it does. So no matter where it comes from, where it's different for, for some of us, and at different times, it comes from different places, but pressure also causes us to, to do things. And so see if you can relate uh, to some of this. How many of you would say that you like to spend more money when you're under pressure? You don't have to show your hand. Like, I know that's kind of like putting yourself out there. But isn't that some, some of the way, like, you feel stressed and you just want to spend money? And some of the time, it's just like, let's go out to eat. Just, let's just eat. So that's stress eating and stress spending in one. I can relate to that. Uh, sometimes you just, you just want to kind of let go of all this. And you just want to shop. You just want to kind of make yourself feel better by, by your spending. Um, sometimes there's the pressure of, you know, I, I want to I look good. And so in my wanting to look good, sometimes I err on the side of making others look ba- like bad. Because I want to look good. If I make them look bad, then that makes me look better. Pressure can cause us to do that. Stress. You ever done something because you're stressed? You've said something that you regret and you realize like, man, I put that person down to prop myself up all in the name of just the stress and the pressure that I was facing. We do that all the time. Uh, third, uh, we have the pressure to have, have it all together. And I talk about this a lot, but sometimes church is sometimes the worst place for this, right? You argue on your way to church in the car. You park, you're frustrated, you're running late, and you get in, and then you just put on that smile. Right? We all do that. We all do that. And there's the pressure that, you know, we want to make sure we're tidy. Our life's all together. But all of those lead to just us making decisions that people can't maybe get to know us because we're faking it. We can create bad habits because of the things that we do when we're under pressure. So what we need to do today is, okay, pressure is normal. We can all relate. When pressure comes, there's different things that we do. And so I want you to do is just pinpoint, are you under pressure this morning in a certain area? And just think about it. Just take 10 seconds. I'm under pressure and here's where. Just take a moment to think about that. The reason I want you to do that is sometimes when you're under pressure, and you're stressed out, unless you put your finger on that thing, unless you write it down, you say, this is what it is, it just causes all sorts of noise. So we want to face that pressure. And then today I want you to ask the question, this is the pressure I'm facing. How does God want to help me right here and right now with that thing, whatever it is? It could be more than one thing, but whatever it is I'm facing, how does God want to help me right here and right now? Here's just the truth that I want to just kind of lay everything under. Uh, Giving into pressure it derails our progress in life, and it diminishes our purpose. This is what happened with Samson. This is what's happened repeatedly in history. But if we give into the wrong kind of pressure, our desires from within, or the pressures from others that they put on us, it derails the plan that God has for us. There's a cost. 
And as we make decisions, there's a cost to those decisions as we make them wrongly based on pressure. So I want to kind of just put that out there to say, like, this is one of those issues that we can move beyond. We don't have to keep living the same thing over and over, but we have to pinpoint what we do, how it impacts us, and then we need to ask the question, how can I change doing what I'm doing to a new way? And so there's hope. There's hope in this. We don't want to keep looking at our bad decisions and keep doing them. We want to look at our bad decisions and ask the question, how can God help me change? And so I want to dig into the the person of uh, Samson, his life, and then uh, talk about some things. So as Elise mentioned, uh, there's all sorts of crazy stories of Samson, and these are all true written in the scripture. When I was a kid, I just thought Samson was uh, a hero because he had long hair. You know, it's like, all right, he's got power in his hair. I thought that was really cool. And then there's these, these stories of him. He, he, you know, killed a lion with his bare hands. Uh, like Elise shared, he cal- killed a thousand men with a don- donkey jawbone. I mean, come on. That sounds like something that'd be on HBO, right? That's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, he's tearing down city gates. He's doing all sorts of things. So he's, so he's this hero, but at the same time, he made some terrible decisions. I mean, there's stuff that he did that you're like, this is not a movie I would let my kids watch. It's terrible. He got with prostitutes of the enemy continually, and he kept derailing his life from keep doing these decisions. So on one hand, he's this hero that God had this plan for, and on the other, he gave in. He gave in to his desires. He gave in to what he wants, and his life went the opposite direction. But at the end, God still used him one more time, and that's the hope. In the middle of all these, there was just a lot of mess. The reason I say that, it's important, because sometimes when we come to church and we hear the Bible, we look at it and we just think it's a bunch of people that aren't like me. They don't mess up. They don't face what I face. But when you look at the story of Samson, you realize he faced things that people are facing today, and he screwed up the way people screw up today. And he still, in the end, turned to God for help, and God helped him. So it just shows you it's not too late. It's not too late for, for any of us. But when that pressure mounts, when that pressure mounts, when that pressure mounts, unless we deal with it rightly, it becomes like this picture of a, a pressure cooker. Check this out. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> I just, this just like cracks me up because it's not my kitchen. <laughs> but it blew out right here. I'm, I'm going to be your little tour guide of this picture. It blew, blew out like the bottom of the oven, and then it exploded the top. Now, I don't, you don't see the person in here, but I'd love to think it was just the husband that was like going to be so proud, making something for his family. <laughs> and then like the wife comes in and, and he's just like, it works. <laughs> There's pressure, but it blew up the kitchen. And that, that's what pressure is like. It, it blows up our life. So I want to highlight just the three things that pressure can do that, that leads us off track so we can identify them and then three ways that we can turn the corner to make a good decision, God's way. So three ways pressure derailed derailed Samson. I'm gonna move through this quickly. First, number one, he caved into his selfish desires. So repeatedly, Samson had this bent for women getting his attention, but not just any women, the wrong kind of women. And he knew that. And the people around him that loved him knew that. Samson's father knew that, and he warned him, don't go near these women. The Philistines, they were the enemy of God's people. God had raised Samson up to be the judge, to be the people to defeat the Philistines, and then he was liking the women from the enemy. 
And Samson's father warned him, don't, don't do it. You're this judge. You're this leader that God has raised up. Don't do it. Check out this verse in Judges 14, 3. But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Very interesting. When you have something that you want so bad, it's all that you see. Because there's no part that that could be right. Because he knew that was the enemy of God. You don't go down that road. But it was right in his eyes. And it just shows the distortion of his selfish desires of what he wants. He couldn't even see reality. He couldn't even see wrong for wrong, right for right. It was, it was all mixed up. In fact, it was twisted. It was the exact opposite. Have you ever experienced that in yourself where you maybe never thought you'd go down a path, but just through what you want, you, you, you're down it. And you look and you're, how did I get here? And it, you, how did I make that, that trip? I never thought I'd get here. And when you unjust kind of tangle, and you untangle and you walk it back, you untangle and you walk it back, you realize that along the way, you started believing things that were not true. You started owning those things. And you believe lies. And as you believe lies, it feeds more lies to the point where you're down the road and you cave into what you want because you, we tend to tell ourselves what we want to hear. The reason this is normal is because we're all like this. In fact, we're born with this selfish desires to get what we want. This is what it says in Proverbs 22. It says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, a child, we're all of us children. Thank you. We're all of us children. You guys can, you know, feel free. You can say it if you were, unless you were not a child, right? We're all children, right? You guys are so scared. Like, I don't, is he going to call me? I won't call you up here unless you don't answer. Just kidding, I won't do that. We're all children. We, <laughs> we were. We, <laughs> we're all kids here, guys. We're going on a field trip. Um, we are all children once. We're not anymore. But we're all born in this world, and we're, we're children. And being born in this world and being born in a sin, this broken world, we're all born with this folly that the Proverbs describes here. Folly is a word for foolishness. And there's different shades and different aspects of foolishness for each of us. But this folly, this word specifically in the Hebrew, stands for a stubborn selfishness that we all have. This kind of folly is with you your whole life. It's this stubborn selfishness that actually, I I misspoke, it actually can be trained out of you. If you have the right parents and you respond rightly to life, this stubborn selfishness, you can begin to move past it. That's why parents, so much of your life is like, how can I help my kids see that they're not the center of the universe? Why? Because kids are born thinking they're the center of the universe. Mine. 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 And as adults, we still struggle with the same thing. We don't say it exactly like that, but it comes out differently, but it's still my, my way, my choices, my goals, my plan. And this stubborn selfishness is this, this, this determination to get what we want, even at the cost of ourselves, even at the cost of those around us. I can identify with that. I'm, I'm sure uh, you can too. But Samson had this, and he went against wise counsel. He went against what he knew was right from God. Why? Because he wanted something so bad. 
And so we have to be careful to these things that we want. What seems right in our eyes? What's these desires that we have? What are our goals that are set before us? We want to pay attention to those. And are those the right kind of goals? Is that what God wants from me? That's a key question. Not just what I want, but is this what God wants? When you decide to follow Christ, that question now enters your world. Because to move beyond that stubborn selfishness being the center of the universe, to follow Christ means he's actually the center. He leads me. He has a plan and a purpose. Therefore, it's not just what I want and when I want it. It's now what does God want for me? So that was Samson's first problem. He, he forgot that. And his stubborn selfishness led him into many, many traps. Here's the second thing. He caved to the pressure of another person. That person had a name. Her name was Delilah. At least what was, what's the name of, the meaning of her name? Guys, if you ever meet a woman and her name means faithless one, do I even need to finish what I'm about to say? <laughs> but that's, a, that's to the point, right? There were so many signals, so many signals. She kept laying traps and say, could you tell me your strength just so we can learn it, so we can overcome and defeat you? She told him that. And this was the game that he played, and he would not tell her the truth. And she would say the same. No, really, how would we overcome you and, and defeat you? And he wouldn't tell her. And he, she just kept on and on and on. And he kept telling her that, and she kept telling him the traps that she was laying. And he kind of thought it was a game, and he thought it was a game, and he thought it was a game, like no one could overcome him. And then as Elise shared this verse in Judges 16, and when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Now that his soul was vexed to death seems pretty dramatic. Uh, some translations say this, he was annoyed to death. Now, I've been annoyed before, but I would never say, you're about to kill me. <laughs> but what the Bible's saying is that's where Samson was at. She was bothering him so much that he thought his life was going to end. Another translation, she nagged him until he was tired to death. Like he was so done with the nagging and the constant, do this, do this, do that, and just that pressure, he was, he was done. To the point where he, he caved. Now, we're not stronger than Samson. He was the strongest man that ever lived at that time. Now, strength was given from God, but Delilah knew exactly how to get him. And the trap was set, his hair was cut, his eyes were taken, and he was defeated. And so the warning for us is, yeah, we have to battle the things inside of us, that stubborn selfishness. We have to identify that. We have to face that, realize it's real. We all deal with it. But then we also need to look around and say, are there people that because of their influence on me, it's leading me down the wrong path. The ideas that they give me, the life that they live, what they call me for to do is that what God wants. And that's something that, that no one can answer for you. You have to face that as well. Who's in your life and are they leading you in the right direction? This leads to the third thing where he caved. He, he lost sight of his purpose. And I wanna go back to the beginning because this was the plan for Samson's life in Judges 13. It says this, Put that up there. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. 
Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. So this, this holiness of being set apart, and it was linked to his hair. God will give you the strength that's in, in your hair from birth till what? Death. So at the moment that he allowed his hair to be cut, and he put himself in this position, he went against God's purpose for his life. There wasn't this, and then you could enter this midlife crisis and kind of do what you want to do. No, it was, you will stay true to me, be loyal to me until the end. But he lost sight of that. Why? Because of these women that he wanted, his desires to get what he wants. Now, we don't need to look that far for examples of this. We see this in our society. People that throw away everything for just a quick fix, whether it's drugs, whether it's sex, whether it's a power move to make money, to deceive people. We see that again and again. That's what fills our news headlines. The key for us is realizing that we're not the exception. We could all be in this position if we don't keep our selfish, stubborn determination in check with the Lord's help. And if we don't pay attention to our associates, the people that we do life with, and if we just never connect with God's purpose for us, we could be just like Samson. You guys depressed yet? Here's the good news. It doesn't end there. Just like in Samson's life, it was not the end. There was one last time. The picture was his hair, you know, was cut. His eyes were gouged. He could no longer see. So this hero, but all the Philistines knew he had, he had come against us and come against us and won, and we now have him where we want him. And Delilah knew she got him where she wanted him. His hair began to grow back. God was restoring his strength, and he cried out to God, God, one last time, let me do this. Let me defeat the enemy that you have given me to defeat. And on those pillars, he pushed it in the whole building. Now, we read that, and it's like, okay, he toppled the building with his strength. That's just a picture of what God had given him, this strength to change this structure of a building. That signifies the purpose of God. When you're in line with the purpose of God, you can change the world that God has you in. Your circles of relationships, the influence, the people that you're on. When you align with God, you can make a difference. Samson derailed it, and he got around, and he got, and he was in this just pile of rubble in his own life. He was a slave, and in the end, he turned back. God, one more time. There's a lot of hope there. There's a lot of protection. And so I wanna just end with three things. Here's three ways that we can find protection from the pressure. We've identified it. We know the consequences of it. But how do we protect ourselves from it? Here's the first thing. Fear God instead of people. Now, fearing God is not this just trembling, scared, spitless of God. Fearing God is, is really this, this elevation of his voice above all others. Fear of God means I'm gonna take him so seriously that when he tells me to do something, I am gonna do it. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. It's a command of God. And if God commands me to do it, I'm going to do it. You elevate his voice above all others. See, in Samson's life, the voice that began to become the loudest was Delilah, the faithless one. 
in our life, we have to turn down the volume of our desires and turn down the volume of other people, and we need to turn up the volume of God's voice to the faithful one, not the faithless one. Here's what Proverbs 9 says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This is a verse that has challenged me so much in my life because there's times where this is what I want. God, give me wisdom. Wisdom is the understanding of how reality is. God, help me to see life your way, how you've designed it, so I can align my life with that. My relationships, my finances, every aspect of my life, my work, help me to know how life works so I can align with that. That's wisdom. But we want this, God, give me wisdom. And then the scripture and God himself gives us the truth. Okay, you want wisdom, then you need this, the fear of the Lord. You want wisdom, then you need to listen to his voice. And for us today, for the most part, God speaks primarily through his scripture. I've never heard God's voice audibly. But many times he's spoken to me directly through the scriptures as I've read it. If I want wisdom and I want understanding and I want to know how to move through the complexities of life, I need to turn his volume up. To turn the volume up, I need to read the scriptures for myself. One of your next steps today is going to be to read a proverb every day. That's a proverb. You could read a chapter, you could read a verse. But in there, there's a lot of understanding. As you read the proverbs, there's a lot. If you chew on that and you wrestle with that, it can actually provide some boundaries for your life, things that you should do, things that you shouldn't do. And then the last part of it, the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. It's this idea of you acknowledge him. I don't know about you, but when I want something that I know God doesn't want, am I thinking about God? No. If I want something that I know God doesn't want, God's the last thing I'm thinking about. So what this proverb is saying is bring God into the situation. And as you're thinking of him, you'll get insight. Because as you're thinking of him, you're most likely not going to go against him, right? When you were a kid, remember, because we were all children, remember that? We were all kids. When you did wrong, did you just do that in front of your parents? No. I used to steal Mrs. Fields cookies that my mom used to make. That led to more problems in my life. But I used to steal these cookies from the cookie rack as they were cooling, and I would just slip in, I would slip out, and I would go into my closet inside my bedroom. And I'm talking like, it, actually like a wardrobe. It's like the structure itself. And I'd go in there, and I would shut the door in the pitch dark and eat a cookie by myself. Why? Because I wasn't allowed a cookie. For that parent reason, you know, it's before dinner, and I probably shouldn't have six, all those reasons. But I was in secret, and that pressure, was like I wanted it so bad. That's how it is. In the pressure, we want to hide. We want to come behind the curtain. Okay, God, you can't see me. And God said, no, 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 no. He's everywhere. He's watching you right now. So acknowledge him. If you acknowledge him, you're highly unlikely to keep going down that path you know he doesn't want. Right? You guys know what I'm saying. That's what it means to fear God. Here's the second thing. It's tied to that. Turn to God for help. So when you're under pressure and there's things that you really want and they may not be best for you, 
or there's people that are putting pressure on you and they're manipulating you, they're leveraging you, they're just crushing you with their expectations of you and you get the sense, this is not good. I'm feeling squished by things that I want. I'm feeling pressed by others. At that moment, you acknowledge him. God, I know you're here. Knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now the insight comes not just as you acknowledge him, but you ask him to help you. It's not just saying, God, you're there, but God, will you help me right here? I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I want to do this, whatever this is. God, will you help me? You acknowledge God is there and you ask him for help, he will. Because this is what the promise of scripture says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. The promise is, you are never put in a situation that you can't get out of if you turn to God for help. I don't think we believe this a lot. I don't think I believe it. Because there's so many times I've justified my actions because of the tough situation I was in. I've justified my actions because of what other people did. But if this is true, and I believe it is because it's the word of God and it's a promise, it says if you turn to God for help, there is a way out so you don't have to sin. You don't have to cave. You don't have to derail. If you turn to God for help, he will give it. There's a way out. First part is just saying, because here's the deal. You've not faced anything unique to you. There's people that have faced exactly what you're facing that have turned to God at that exact moment and escaped it. And if they did it because of God's power and help, then we can do it too. So it's basically saying we're not unique. There's not a struggle that we've faced that hasn't been faced before. That's why, again, it's good looking at these stories in the Old Testament. We realize it's the same thing. History keeps repeating itself. Have people right now in our society made terrible decisions because of pressure within them to get what they want? Yes. Do people make terrible decisions because of the pressure of other people on them? Yes, it's the same. So this promise is also the same. It's common. What we face, our struggles, we all face them. And if we turn to God, we ask him for help, there's a way out. Do you pray? This is a good verse to memorize. This is another next step today. Because again, you acknowledge God, and if you have this on your mind, God, you, you give me a promise. No temptation has seized me, except which is common to man. What I'm facing right now, you can help me. You understand what I'm going through. Don't let me be tempted beyond what I can bear, and, and he will help. And the last is choose our associates well. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, and I'm gonna close with this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, For many years, I've heard this phrase. This has been really helpful to me, but, you know, as you pick your friends, you pick your future. As you pick your friends, you pick your future. The people that you spend time with, the people that you run with, you really are running on this path. And if they're running on the wrong path and you're running with them, you're on that path. And your future is connected to where you're headed. And it starts with the decisions right here in the present. So to pick your friends is to pick your future. Now, 
Choosing your associates wisely is something that now we even have to expand, not just beyond our, our circles of real-life relationships, but how many associates influence us online, social media, the things that we read, the things that we listen to, the things that we watch. We're so inundated with information and ideas. These are all implanting on us the way God, the life works. This is the way to success. This is the way to treat people. This is the way to handle your problems. This is the way to move forward. This is the way to deal with a mistake. And we can get sucked in the current of what culture tells us, what media tells us, what Facebook tells us, what Instagram tells us, and all these things come out to the pressure. And so we really need to be careful. Our filter is the things that I'm reading and watching and getting into. Is this leading me in a direction? Am I battling pressure that comes from that? Have you ever struggled with comparison after you went on Facebook? Do you breathe? Right? That's, it's just it's so easy to get in comparison. They, they got invited to that? I wonder if they didn't have my email. No, like, I wasn't invited. And that could happen. But all that just influences us and the pressure mounts. And all this feeds that, that selfishness as well. So, in closing, pressure lights on. You ever had like that pressure light, your TPMS gauge in your car? I have that right now. It's like a signal to say your, your tire is flat. Mine's broken. It's always on. My tires are fine until the day it's flat and I'm not going to believe it. <laughs> right? But this is like a gauge. The scriptures showed us some things. The life of Samson has showed us some things. So the light's on. There's pressure that we're facing. So I want to close, and I want to invite the band up to come. They're going to play us through the offering. We're going to receive that. But I want to invite you to take some next steps. There's three next steps you can take today. So pull out that connection card. And if you haven't started filling that out, go ahead and start. If you've started but not finished, go ahead and finish. If you have prayer requests, you can put those. But here's just three next steps that you can take uh, this next week. First is read, read a proverb a day this week and apply it to my life. So Proverbs, if you have a physical Bible, is towards the center of your Bible. It's part of the wisdom literature. And so Proverbs has some wisdoms. These are wise sayings that we can learn a lot about life. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs. So you could read it for 31 days. You could do one chapter a day, or you could break it up however you want. But begin to read a proverb and just kind of chew on on what that's saying. I suggest you do that. Uh, The second next step is to memorize 1 Corinthians 10.13. Again, remembering God is with you in the temptation helps you with the temptation. And the key way to remember is Scripture. Call it to mind. And then the the next is to invite somebody in your life to church. The reason I say this is there's people right now who need hope of Jesus. They're so tangled up in their own decisions and the burdens of their life they just need to know that, that Jesus loves them and he wants to help them. And there's people in your life that no one else in this room is connected to. So part of what you may need to hear today is, is who can you extend Jesus' hope to? And invite them to come and see what God does as he gets a hold of their life. And so you might just want to put their name on that as well. If you put their name, I'll, I'll pray for them as you look to invite them. So there's some next steps. Go ahead and Finish filling that out. The band's going to play. 
We're going to receive our offering, and then I'm going to pray for us right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, which gives us examples to learn from. And God, we we thank you that as we read the life of Samson, uh, it gives us hope, not because he did everything perfectly, but because he didn't. And we're not perfect, and we mess up, and we let people lead us down the wrong paths, and we let our own selfishness lead us down the wrong paths. But in the middle of it, you can redeem us. You can give us a purpose, and you can give us a plan for our life that is far better than getting what we want. It's far better than any goal that we have outside of you. So God, I just pray for anyone here that's just battling with pressure. God, help them to acknowledge you and to turn to you for help. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.